what type of role model would you like to be for like younger golfers in a younger generation? Um, I want, you know, to set an example that shows that you can just be whoever you want to be, dress however you want to dress, um, and just, you know, set an example that it's really cool to be confident in your own skin. Yeah. Um, I really hope that for a lot of future generation golfers. Because um, I feel like there's a little bit of, you know, like that, like I was talking about that country club thing where you, there's a little hate or judgment that people kind of have at the golf course where yeah. it's like, it should be more inclusive. I want everyone to feel welcome at the golf course, not scared to talk to each other and stuff like that. So just, you know, have fun, make it fun. Good morning, everyone, and welcome back to the Par 3 Podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Stephen Maubin. We have J.R. Smith, Ben Baller. And today we have a wonderful guest, Oregon's greatest, one of our favorite golfers in the world, the one and only Gigi Stoll. Hey! Welcome to the first two. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Did you like the, uh, the intro? That was fantastic. Fantastic. Mr. Rogers right there. That's the Mr. <laughs> Rogers voice. I love, I love the way he brings his intros in, man. We got to start having him doing more. Sorry, Steve. It might give you extra work, but it's going to work out. The Epson Tour, what, ro- rookie? Nope, third year. Third year Epson Tour. Yes, sir. How many wins under your belt? One. There we go. Got her done this year. First nice. one's the most Let's difficult. Go. Yep. How is it uh, playing on the Epson Tour? Talk to us. It's good. It's good. Uh, I feel I feel like I've uh, kind of found my bearing on the Epson Tour. Um, didn't get a win until this year, but now I feel like I'm in a really good spot, playing really good golf, and uh, just just enjoying it. Where was the win at? I was in Tucson. Okay, so you went to you went to U of A, right? Yep. What'd you shoot? Fifteen under. Oh wow! <laughs> no big deal. No big deal. No big deal. <laughs> easy, Slight work. Easy. Slight work. <laughs> Can you tell like? I understand, you know, this. you had your first win, but, like, you understand how hard it is to compete and, you know, how good the players are. Will you please explain to this gentleman <laughs> right here how hard it is to just be in the situations you've been in and be successful? Uh, it takes a lot of, it takes a lot of mental grit, um, honestly, like being able to overcome obstacles when you've played for so long, being able to stay in there and just, like, do your thing, you know, stay positive, all those things. Cause you know, golf kind of comes in waves, you know, you feel really high, you play really, really good. You feel like you can hit any shot in the world. And then you go through those low points where it's like, you gotta be able to dig yourself out and a couple more rounds. He'll understand. (laughs) (laughs) Mr. Never three putt. I heard that. I was like, he really hasn't been golfing for that long because if he hasn't three putted. You you know, it's funny is, is, is I, I didn't think it'd bite me back real hard. And I had like three really good rounds, right? Like I had an 80. I beat a pretty good golfer that we all like. One of the dudes who started out me in golf, like like eight strokes. And I had like an 83 the next week. Then I had like another 83. So someone invited me to Riviera. I was like, man, bro, you know, this is so fucking, you guys got to just shut up, man. It's so stupid. So I haven't three putt three times in 35 rounds, right? Now I'm in the 50th plus round. <laughs> three putt three times in the front nine. <laughs> And I said, hey, man, you know what? I don't want to play the back nine. This is stupid. I don't want to play this course. I shot a 97. And I've never, I just couldn't believe it. 
And then other dudes are shooting like 120 and 115 and stuff. And I was like, why? How? But it didn't make sense because I feel like the course was just against me. It was like everything they did was like, <laughs> like I never seen a ball get on the green. And then not just, okay, it's one thing to roll off even 10, you know, 15, 20 feet. But to roll off all the way down the hill and then go into some other shit and just fuck your whole day up, like, I'm like, man, come on, bro. This ain't even, like, that ain't for anybody mentally strong even. That's like, that. they want you to fight, you know? They want you to, like, be mad. And, like, even if you have a good sense of humor, it's not funny, you know? It's like, I was like, this is the stupidest <laughs> hole. This is the dumbest hole at Riviera, period, you know? Like, but anyways, yeah. So that bit me in the ass. Ben, go ahead. I was just going to say, that's what I'm talking about. You know, golf is, it's like you're in a relationship and you, you love golf so much. Golf's never going to love you back. So you got to just Damn. overcome that shit. Man, Damn, that was a hard Ooh. comparison. Think right about now. that. That hurts, bro. <laughs> Especially, thing you're right there. bro, did you hear what you just said? <laughs> well, you got to figure then, like they put bunkers exactly where the average golfer hits it. They make the fairway funnel and the ball lands in the fairway and then it goes down the hill and goes into the bunker. They build like Fazio's the fucking worst, those false fronts where <clears throat> the front of the green is slanted. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The back of the green is slanted. That's what like, I'm talking about. I just played Pinehurst number two. And like when you're pitching in or hitting irons into those greens, you have to land within like two or three foot. And if you land four foot too far, it's going to bounce off the back and go into pine straw. If you land four or five foot too short, it's going to zip and come back 40, 50 yards off. So it's like you're playing on like tortoise shell, turtle back greens <laughs> with the flag on the top of the back. And it's like, go ahead, hit your four iron in and see what happens, <laughs> you know? So yeah, golf's amazing. And that's why I think we all get addicted to it because like when it does go proper, when when you do hit like a high four iron fade, you know, 215 and it hits and stops right by the hole and you walk up and have a four foot birdie putt, it's like, damn, this is the best feeling in the fucking world. But it's almost just like hanging in there long enough to have the golf gods pay off and hit you a few shots that are super lucky knowing that, you know, sometimes I play the worst scores but i hit the ball the best and sometimes i hit the ball like shit and i still and i score the best yeah. so it's yeah. like it's not i always tell people like all you can control is your swing and like i'm gonna hit the four and if i hit it perfect i did all i can do if it hits and stops by the hole great the wind blows it comes up short and turns around and rolls 40 foot back it's like well guess i'm gonna have to fucking get up and down but you can't control it, and it just will pound you the more you try to. But four feet, that's really not a lot of real estate, bro. That's, four feet is good. Past four Until feet. it's it, not. Okay, well. It's good when it rolls up by the hole and looks in the hole, and then it rolls off the back, and you got a 40-yard pitch from over the green with a downhill green out of the pine straw. And the green's already running 14. Yeah. So I got a question for you. So you grew up in Oregon. Um, you played college at University of Arizona, and then now you're in Vegas. Can you talk about um, like you know the the, uh, the contra contrasting styles between the Pacific Northwest and then the Southwest? Like how, how like compare those? When I went to Arizona, honestly, I I had never really played a ton of desert golf and things like that, and getting you know accustomed to the different grasses and the different styles and layouts, like he was talking about. Um, that, that was huge for me. Um, and then having a little bit of that, you know, Pacific Northwest, 
um, playing in the trees and having to hit shots around trees and out of the rough and things like that. Those are two completely different golf games. And um, to be able to have both of those under my belt before I turned professional helped a lot because once we, you know, started traveling around the whole, st all the states, then I had that experience, you know. Who travels? Who do you travel with? What's the squad? Me and my caddy. That's it. That's the squad. That's a good one. Yeah. And what about your coaches or any of that stuff? Do you have someone in Vegas or? Honestly, I, I've taken matters into my own hands. I, I'm pretty much my own coach right now. Um, I've had a lot of really good coaches um, work with different, you know, LPGA. People have worked with PGA um, and just I've taken everything that I've learned and kind of made my own thing. And do you, so. you film, do you have your caddy film your swing and look at your swing? Like, how do you do check-ins? You just yeah. do that? Yeah, he'll <laughs> just look at me. He'll just like look at my lines, look at my feet, look at my club face, all that good stuff. Make sure, usually it's just, you know, something simple. You yeah. don't really need to rebuild a golf swing that you're, you've been doing for so long. You just got to check your feet, you yeah. know, know your misses, know what works for you. And if, say, like you're pulling the ball, what do you, how do you fix that? Just like, what is it like? I have ways that I find if I'm pulling the ball, like I know I'm either doing this, this or this. Right. Right. So like if you're pulling the ball, what is what would you check first? What would I check first? Probably my feet alignment and my club path. You know, like I'll, I'll put a line down like a stick, one of those sticks, put it on my feet or put it on my club face, either one or both. And then just during a tournament. Yeah. Like before on the range. Oh, okay. All right. I, was gonna say, I thought you were during the actual tournament on the ground. I was like, Man. no, no, just on the range. Like before we get out there, make sure all my, all my, all my, you know, lines are looking good. So little things like that. If I'm pulling it though, I, I check the club face a little bit. Sometimes it gets shut over the top. Shut on the take back. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's yeah. me. I try to like, I do a very early hinge, but if I hinge it and I don't like fan it open on the hinge, then the club face, if I hinge it like that, then it closes the face. Yeah. <clears throat> and then I'll hit it perfect. It'll just, but it'll be like a dart pull. Yeah. Just then, but it's fucked. As soon as I hit it, I'm like, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> That's probably the hardest thing. People get getting it in the slot. Yeah. They can't get it. You know, everybody right. wants to go like that. And yeah. when did you start playing golf? I've been around the game pretty much my whole life. Um, my first competitive event, I was eight years old. So I've been playing forever. And you used to crush all in amateur, all the amateur tournaments and all of that stuff. I know like seven time junior player of the year. Yes, sir. Yeah. No, yeah. Real I'm not sir. No, 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 no. He's sir. <laughs> yeah. He's the oldest one over here. Sir Brooke. Seven time junior player of the year in Oregon or in juniors, period. Uh I think if you check it, I think it says like Pacific Northwest, five time player of the year, Oregon junior. Seven-time player of the year. Man. Qualified for the U.S. Open when I was 14. Oh, my God. Baller. Yeah. I feel like you're a natural athlete, though. I feel like golf isn't, like, just... I feel like you, you probably, like, get everything pretty good and, and, like... Luckily, yeah. I mean, I have, like, some pretty good hand-eye. Um, I think that helps when I'm out on the tour because there's a lot of girls who have, you know, grinded their way to, to what they have. Yeah. And it takes a lot more hours and dedication and luckily i you know I, it comes naturally so 100 percent, yeah. yeah you're ahead of the curve when it comes to that that's why i feel like for certain people like even like in basketball certain guys are just like he's really good at rebounding or just or just just shooting or just doing this or just doing that and they're not natural given flow like fluent athletes you for give sure. them a golf club do you they look like they're 
digging a hole in, 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 with a shovel or something. Yeah. And then, but like, and there's other people who are like, even in baseball or different sports, but like certain people just have that athletic nature. Yeah. And, I'm curious. So you went to University of Arizona. You guys won a national title, right? And then you're on tour. And it's got to be a major change. And, and, and you've already talked about how, you know, it's not as glamorous as people think, you know what I mean? From, from you know, from college to pro. Um, talk about like the lessons you've learned being on tour and, and, you know, for the couple of years, now you said your third year and the transition, like, like from what people think it is and what it actually is. Uh, I think people think that when you're on tour, you're just playing golf, drinking some beers, having a good time with your friends, hanging out in the casino afterwards. And that's that, you know, you, you go on the golf course every day. It's a dream, but people don't see the hard work that you put in off the course. You know, you're traveling every week. We, I drive to a lot of places like I did my first year out. That's a ton of energy wasted right there. Um, just constantly being on the road. I'm always gone. Like half the year, I'm gone. Um, it's a sacrifice. You know, people think it's fun, like just a joy ride, but you know, you have to be away from your family and you have to de dedicate everything you got to it. So yeah, it's, it, it is fun. I enjoy it. It's my passion, but it takes a lot of effort. It takes how, a lot how of How far of a drive are we talking like on a long drive? 16 hours sometimes. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. My first year out, I drove my car from Oregon to Florida, back to Oregon, just around. I mean, <laughs> like, I think I put like 40,000 miles on my car in six months. And then <clears throat> imagine that, like driving 16 hours and then getting out of the car and doing a practice round and then doing, do they do pro-am? Yeah, pro-am. Pro-am Wednesday and then have to play well. Three, four days in a row. Yeah. And yeah. keep your mind right, jet lagged different time zones, For driving, sure. and... Um, but at U of A, you guys had a tour bus, right? And you guys had, like... Yeah, in college, we had, you know, a coach, an assistant. They took care of our flights. They took care of our travel. We flew everywhere. We had hotels for everything. When you're on the road, you got to plan all that stuff on your own. You got to pay for all that stuff on your own. It's a whole different... It's a whole different world. And then think of this, Ben, like, she won all these junior things forever, won the national championship on the on the college goes into Epson tour she's on th year three one once had second a few times or such right mm -hmm. yeah has had a lot of opportunities to win but has actually only won one time so like how you know going back to like the mental thing like the difference between a college pro a college player at their you know, last year in college, like the best person on your team, or if you were, whatever, and then compare that to like Nelly Corda. Like on paper, you guys can hit the exact same shots. You have every shot in golf. You can chip, you can putt, you've put in thousands of hours practicing. But like, it's such a mental thing that like she can go from college and go, I guess, onto the LPGA and then become like world number one or some shit. Or it's like, most people either go from college being good to like, <clears throat> you know, they don't even continue to golf, right? Like the majority of college golfers don't go onto the tour. And so what's the difference, I guess, between like, how does a player go straight into the tour versus Epson tour, then to the tour, which you're, you know, doing? Yeah. 
Um, I mean, most of that is based on your ranking, based on Q school. Um, so at the end of every year, there's Q school where everybody who wants to play professionally has to compete through Q school to basically get like status on the LPGA tour or status on the Epson tour. So it like ranks you based on how you play. So for Nelly, I don't know exactly what she did, but like nobody's path is the same, really. You know, you could you could have a really good week and play awesome at Q school and not make and, and make it to LPGA. And then, you know, I, you, like I've had a couple bad weeks at Q school. I'm still on Epson tour, you know, and that's kind of your determining factor on where you're going to be the next year. So when is the next Q school for LPGA? How does it happen? Is it do you get in automatically if you like win a couple of times on Epson tour? Yeah, so Epson Tour ranking, um, top 10 on Epson Tour at the end of the year, go on to the LPGA. The 11 through 35 in that status go to the final stage of Q School. Mm. So it kind of ranks, like your, your Epson Tour ranking or your LPGA ranking will put you into a certain category in Q School. And then you got to make it through. By playing where where are you ranked right now in the Epson? Three. No big deal. Small thing to a giant, you know. I like that. Like she says, slight work, bro. Do you do you change your wedges in the in the different uh, courses, different parts of the country you play in, or do I? Do Sometimes you? I I mean I haven't uh, I mess around with wedges. I haven't really changed my wedges recently, but it's definitely something that people do. You know, based on the different type of grass, Florida, tons of Bermuda out here on the <sighs> West Coast. You don't need it too much. Different bounces and things. So it's preference. It's all really preference. What would the bounce difference be for you? Like in Florida, you would use what a, a wedge with more bounce or less for that grass? Less. Less bounce. I believe. Yeah. I'm not 100% certain on that, <laughs> but I believe it's less. <laughs> I met Bermuda Gas for the first time with him. And uh, his advice was very funny. He's like, you don't want to do that right there, bro. It's like Velcro. <laughs> and then I realized they had, I didn't know they had Bermuda in, in California. And where? At Riviera. Kukilia. <laughs> he met man. that Kukilia. Come on, man. You know, uh, damn. Um, can you talk about the clubs you play? Is that like, I'm just curious. What you I'm play rocking all ping right now. And then I got a Bettinardi nice. putter. I just went out to their fitting Betty. facility. I saw you at the at the thing and Sam and then the little homie that does the fitting and that. I did a fitting in that little room. You did that too, little right? room was sick. That yeah. little thing. They got a nice setup over there. For sure. Simple, yeah. small, like small and like simple, like what, like yeah. a 12 foot putt or something? Yeah. yeah. You just, just like keep one doing that one that putt over and over. Yeah. <laughs> Breaks like a tiny bit to the left. Uh, let me see that real quick. Let me see. Oh, <laughs> wait a minute. How is that that much? It's, I love it. And then it shows that thing where it shows like the first skip and the spin mm-hmm. and, the, and the top spin. And it's supposed yeah. to like bounce twice and then yeah. roll or something. They got it down over Have there. you met the ping player? Have you met like, Finau and like Tigala and all them? Or? No. Haven't met a lot of those guys. I'm just curious. I like <laughs> they, Ping, man. They want to meet her. You know what I mean? She's not out here looking to meet Finau. He wants to meet her. <laughs> Get it right. <laughs> We'd like to give a big shout out to our sponsor, Long Drink, a finished drink. And it definitely makes your drives go longer. And you can get yours today at www.longdrink.com. Super refreshing. I've been playing my whole life, and I, the, a Japanese company, they did these handmade forged Japanese blades, and they put Malbin on it. Really beautiful, beautiful blades, right? So they mailed me just the heads. 
And I was like, fuck, I want to play these. I want to play them. They're beautiful, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then <clears throat> I was like, I'm not playing them. I'm not doing it, even though I wanted to, you know, but I didn't do it. And so Remington was about eight at the time, and he was playing U.S. kids golf clubs, like these little teeny junior clubs. So the blades were like way bigger than the junior clubs. And the blades were way smaller than my like seven seventies or whatever I played Taylor made. So basically I gave the blades to Remy, my little man, because for him, he doesn't even know the difference. So when, you know, it's a matter of like, if you have a big iron and you have to shrink the iron to like half the size, that's gotta be tough. But if you're little and you start up and you grow up playing blades, it looks big. They're huge to yeah. him. Like he has no idea of like a cavity back or like a right. big forgiving iron. So like yeah. he's playing the blades at 11 and he doesn't know anything different. But, you know, for a guy like him, it's like he's 11. He's going on the junior high golf team. Like he'll probably play blades the rest of his life because he doesn't even know the difference. But if you're... 48 40 or 49 years old like you were when you started starting with blades is two iron but it's that dhy yeah, yeah, little, little cheater club yeah, yeah that thing's great. those are nice i, I love to have those, one of those. Right. i like i hit mine too far i can't it's not it's a gap in my uh it's a, chip it. it's a gap in my bag that's why i always tell ron yeah. he's like how do you what do you been how you been playing well i'm like yeah i've just been teeing off a little chippy little chippy two iron he's like i never heard of someone say that you like to chip a two iron <laughs> but that's it you just chip a two iron about 220. knock it down a lower that's what my caddy does all these par fours chipping two irons chipping four irons <laughs> yeah they roll out yeah just chip it low and let it roll yeah, and then hit forever. a wedge in the hole's only 400 yards chip it 220 let it roll a little. It's easy. Chip two iron and a little nine iron. Easy game. Wedge. No big deal. Did your, prepar did your preparation change from college to pro? Like, did you? A little bit. Yeah. In college, we kind of had to do, you know, things together with the team. And I feel like it kind of got me out of what I, what I know. And then when I got back, you know, playing for myself only, um, I kind of had to rebuild my, what I like to do before, what I need. Right. You know, how much sleep I need, when I'm going to be there, uh, okay. all that stuff. Yeah. How much sleep do you think you need before a round? Eight hours. Eight hours is good for me. Sometimes I have like a 7.30 tea time, so I got to go to bed early. Yeah. And if you have a 7.30 tea time, you'd like to get there at 6.30? Yeah, maybe a little earlier. Eat some hour, breakfast. hour and a half. Yeah, relax. Yeah. You don't want to be rushed. Not at a 7.30 tea worst time. Feeling. <laughs> that is the worst. I tried to do that at a couple of college events. And I was already like, I'm already not as good as obviously the the rest of the per, uh, kids on the team or anybody else down there. But uh, <laughs> I, I woke up late and it was like, I, I wasn't late to my tea time, but I was there like 30, 45 minutes and everything was rushed. When I tell you, I played so bad just because of the rest of the, my whole, I felt like my whole round was rushed. My swing was rushed. Every putt I was rushing. Yeah. Like I was rushing to the next tee box. It was like, it was never a point to where I felt calm. And I was like, you know what? Even if I'm playing this leisure, I'm always going to get to the course super early and just take my time. Yeah. I don't think people realize how important that is. How many balls would you say you hit before a round? Before a round? 40, 30. Not a whole lot. Sometimes I'll hit two drivers and I'm out. Like, 
Oh. If you hit them right. <laughs> if I hit them right, it's <laughs> the last club I'm hitting. Two, yeah. two drivers and I'm done. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you start off what? 60 degree? I have a 58, yeah. 58? Yeah. Little half wedges? Yeah. I hit quite a few of those, though. Get your legs working. Yeah. Get a nice tempo. Yeah. Get a nice tempo rolling. I like doing that with my wedges. Nice. You know, I got a question. This is completely off the, the, the grid, but it was it's, it's relatable to what we deal with today in society. But how do you feel like uh, social media is with, with uh, playing golf? Like, do you think it, it, it helps, hurts? Like, do you get hate from people? Do you like are there other teammates from college that are kind of like, and someone might have more followers than you, but then you're better in golf than them? And like, how, like, how do you explain like how, how you use social media as a tool? I think social media with golf is a little muddled. I mean, I think the definition of being a professional golfer has gotten a little confusing to some people, I think, on the internet. Um, just because there's like golf girls and things like that who maybe are professionals, but don't really compete or things like that. So I think it's gotten a little, you know, confusing, you know, the definition of a, of a golf pro. But I think anything is good for the game, honestly. You know, more power to you if you're supporting golf. That's dope. That's a great answer. <laughs> I don't know where you're going with it, but that's good. <laughs> yeah, no, no I, I, um, damn, man, it's, it's, it's crazy. If you're just trying to grow the game. You just want to have it, you know, get out of that stigma of what uh, the reputation of golf has been for the last 50 years. I don't care who it is. Unless it's like cheating, you know, or doing something like that. But, you know, you want to grow and have fun. I think the, the, the hate that people get from uh, jumping in the late I just, uh, I have like this model that I'm putting on things and saying, golf will always be there for you. It's helped me in life. So it's like, it's weird that people don't understand that. But it's just, it's just funny. I just always think about that. You see like just the haters, man. Oh, you liar. Dude. Yeah. It's so crazy. It's so funny, man. Like, <laughs> you ain't shoot that. You ain't do this. And it could be anyone who's a pro, whatever. Or, they, or hear how they criticize like a tour pro. Say, why'd you do that shot? Blah, blah, blah. What the fuck would you have done? Right. You know? Everybody's a Monday morning quarterback when it comes Everybody. to the fucking golf channel and all that. It's like when when someone blows like a lead or something and they're winning on Sunday morning and they can't close and finish and everybody's like, wow, wow, wow. That's like, dude, this shit is hard. And like she said, like when you start spinning and going into the, the like getting deeper and deeper, when you just start hitting it like shit and your confidence goes and you go from feeling like, you know, like on a high, you feel like, I'm like hitting that, you know, that four iron from the fairway. And I'm like, I'm going to fucking make it. Like, I literally think I'm going to fucking make it and in my head. I really think that I'm going to make it. And so then I'll hit it super close. And then other times I'm like, oh my God, I don't know if I'm going to snap hook it left out of bounds or block it right out of bounds, but I'm not hitting the fucking green. And then, then I can't hit the green. Yeah. And then you get the wedge shot, like the little half wedge. Sometimes I'm like, I'm going to make it. And the next time I go up to it, I'm like, I'm going to fucking skull it over the green or ch or chunk it four foot. <laughs> and that shit happens all the way down. Like Colin yeah. Morikawa in, in, in uh, remember, remember in Hawaii yeah. when he melted down. It I'm was sorry, like, Century. Yeah, the, like that at, that at the Kapalua or whatever. Yeah. And he was hitting those like fat fucking wedges, chunks, and they were coming yeah. back down the hill. And it's like, I, I could look at him when he was walking up to it. And I looked at him and I thought like, oh man, he's going to fucking chunk this. Like you could <laughs> see it on his face. And it's like, no matter how much you practice, it's such a difference between like hitting a 40 yard wedge perfect or like a complete disaster. The, the difference is so little. 
in the swing of like yeah. catching it thin and blading it over the green That's or catching it fat man. and like hitting it six foot or hitting it perfect and hitting it 40 foot and it doing two bounces and stopping right by the hole. Right. Yeah. So it's like the, the difference in perfection and disaster is like it, it, nothing. It's such a thin line. Such yeah. a thin line between love and hate. But it's interesting to see number two, <laughs> especially if they've been number two for like a few days or two days, and they, they're just waiting for that moment. You know what I mean? And that momentum change and that shift in momentum, it gets nasty. And I just really watched like Wyndham Clark. Like I watched it and Ricky was cool the whole four days. I felt like I saw a little bit come off. And I was like, man, come on, man. Miss this putt, bro. I don't want, I need, I need Ricky to win this. But the term, his determination, like when it was in there, like he was so focused and locked in. He saw that one little thing. It's like, oh, it's over. And I saw the momentum and I saw the shift change. And I was like, oh, fuck. But he deserved it. So you have to be careful, you know, like that whole thing with Colin too. Like that was, that was, man, I was hurt. I was going to ask you, how do you stay in the moment when you like, when you're making, you know, obviously you're playing well because it's, Obviously, I mean, I know you had this one win, but you've won before. You won in the past. Like when you've had, you've felt like you're going to almost make everything or, you know, knock everything to two feet. Like, how do you stay within that moment? Because I know for me, if I birdie two holes in a row, I'm so excited. I end up quadruple bogey in the, next, the third. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you stay in the moment of that? I mean, th that's really what I've been working on a lot this year is staying in the moment, staying, you know, present, thinking about just the next shot. You know, you guys were talking earlier about golf being mean to you and stuff. Like if I miss the green, it's like all perspective. I'm, I'm just trying to chip it in. You know, right. like I'm not trying to, oh, I hope I get this up and down. Like I'm, I'm here to chip it in. You know, it's another opportunity to hit a really good shot. So I think it's like taking what the golf gods give you. And, you know, working really hard and, and whatever luck you get, you just run with it. You know, mm. if you have a bad hole, that hole's over. It's been yeah. over. You have another opportunity to make a birdie. Right. So that's really just like the mentality, like focusing on that next shot. I like to tell myself, like, every time I make a double bogey, I know I'm going to birdie the next hole. So when I make a double, I don't even care. I just get excited. Yeah, I'm not I ain't got that, the next bro. two exactly. fucking yeah. holes. Like, who cares? Yeah. I made a double. Now watch this. Yeah. I ain't got that. Yeah, I don't know what that. it is. Yeah, it's like, you know? it's almost like you have to, you have to like get excited. Like you said, like I played the St. Andrew one time and the caddy told me, I'll never forget it. The caddy told me, he said, do me a favor. And I said, what's up? He said, enjoy every shot because you're going to get some fucked up ones out there. Just enjoy every shot. And like you said, like if you know, I've been practicing like chipping and, and pitching a lot. So now if I miss a green, I'm almost get excited. I'm like, now I can stunt. You can show off. Now I can just yeah. show off. I could just fucking hit a high, drippy flop over the bunker one foot, Ooh. walk up, pick that shit up later. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. That feels like a birdie. Yeah, it feels right. better I'm than way, a birdie. Way nice. Yeah. <laughs> and like hitting a five iron close and making a birdie putt. Like that's cool. But getting up and down. In, from a real gnarly place when when your opponent thinks you're out of it mm -hmm. they're like i got him he's in the bunker right watch this you yeah. got me no more motherfucker. i'm back that's, that's the a, momentum yeah. saver right there yeah, for sure yep. I, had a, I had a really bad round last week real bad the whole fucking round just stuck shit and i didn't make this gar on this far par four <laughs> and i had like fucking 90 yards and i finally had one good shot and i got the up and down it was a gap wedge and I got it up and it finally looked like a decent shot. I finally looked like I felt like I was not a fucking hack for the first time, like ever. 
and felt like a good shot and got the fucking up and down. And that was like, but the whole round sucked, but at least that one shot was good. And I just pretty much was like, all right, I focused on that one good shot. Well, it was two good shots the whole round. That was it. But I'm not there yet with, with these guys. Gigi, what's, uh, how do we follow you on social and how do we come watch you on what, what events do you have coming up? What's the, which ones are you looking forward to? We're going to New York and, uh, well, New York and Connecticut next couple of weeks. And then at Gigi Stoll underscore on Instagram. Um, EpsonTour.com. At Gigi Stoll on Instagram. EpsonTour.com. Check us out. Um, yeah, follow along. We don't really have any live streaming going on yet, but the Epson Tour has been trying to get a little bit of live, live coverage for like three or four events. So that, that'll be all over my Instagram. Real quick, who are uh, some of the tour players that you grew up like watching, rooting for, maybe want to even build your game after like them, you know, model your game after them? Lorena Ochoa was probably the biggest one for me. Um, I was able to be inside the ropes with her uh, in a, a Portland event, the LPGA Portland event. When I was really young, and I carried the little leaderboard, oh, that's and dope. on the 18th hole, I was in the last group. She was leading on the 18th hole. She just started chopping it up with me. She's like, "So what's up? You play golf? You know what's your name?" I'm like, "You know you're about to win this thing, and you're talking to me for what?" <laughs> and that was probably like one of the most you know coolest moments for me as a, as a youngster growing up. And she was always an idol for me. And she won, right? And she won. That's dope. That's dope. I also I wanted to ask, how much casual, like, how casual do you try to keep it in tournament? Or do, are you, like, so, try to be so present that there's not too much chit-chat with, between your caddy and it gets in between, like, leisure golf and, like, knowing you're competing? I think, honestly, me and my caddy have, like, the most fun out there. Like, really? in between shots, him and I, we're, we're laughing and, and messing around the whole time. Just because there's, you know, golf, we're playing, we're out there for five and a half hours. Like, if you're in there the whole time, you're going to be burnt out by the time you're done. So, we mess around all the time while we're waiting, you play little games or whatever. And then once it's time to hit the ball, those, like, 30 seconds, 45 seconds, a minute, you're in there, like, 100%. You're in the office for one minute. Right. Yep. And then you're just fucking off after that. Yep. <laughs> that way you got to stay in it. Yeah. But it's a good balance. Okay. What, what's your what's your goals? Like, what do you yeah. have professionally and, you know, just off the course? I know you want to, I mean, I'm pretty sure you want to do some stuff outside of golf as well. Yeah. I mean, on the course, obviously get on the LPGA Tour, um, win a major. Those are all big goals of mine. Yeah, um, sure. Off the course, you know, growing the game. I like a lot of the stuff that Mobbin's doing with golf. You guys are doing with golf. You know, get get people interested in the game that aren't typical. Right. Um whatever that may be, you know, however, however you bring those fans in. Um, and just, yeah, making the game less stuffy. Yeah. That's a huge thing because I've been in the country club lifestyle. I've seen that. I don't really like it particularly. So to be able to, you know, break down some of those walls, I think that's, that'd be huge for golf. Yeah. yeah. And they don't want that. So it's so funny. Exactly. They still don't want that, exactly. you know, and they're just like, they don't want us to win. Yeah, man. It's, it's funny. It's it's really a trip that's still 2023, and they're just like, oh, uh, who are you a guest of here? None of your fucking business. Yeah. You know, it's like. No, I went out to Whisper Rock, and they don't allow women out there. I think they allow them two days a week. And I was out there, make sure everybody out here knows I'm a female. <laughs> How's everybody doing? <laughs> you know, because it's, it's, why? There's no point. Yeah. Doesn't need to be that way. Actually, yeah. So what what is like, I mean, you've played a lot of golf all over the country, all over the world, probably. 
What are some of some of your favorite courses you've played? Band and Dunes is up there. Yeah. Absolutely. Band and Dunes. It's home yep. a little bit for me. Oregon, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um out here, Shadow Creek. Nice. Yeah. A, a gem. A gem. You guys have been out there? Yeah. Once. Nice. And it only has nine holes open now. Yeah, they're doing a renovation for the bunkers. So Gigi invited us out to go play Shadow Creek, you guys, and she said, well, there's only nine holes open. So I was like, well, that's kind of perfect because we have to be in here and it gets really hot. <laughs> yeah. Like nine okay. holes is plenty in the summer. For sure. It's going to be so hot this weekend too. It was like I was out here in October. I forgot when, but weather was still kind of bad. It was kind of cold. So I played uh, Paiute. Or Paiute, mm-hmm. Paiute. Paiute. Yeah. With two tour pros. The Korean dude and... and um, the wind was so goddamn bad out of nowhere. I was like, Jesus Christ. Yeah, I played there and it was windy too. That place is spot. cool. Yeah, it was yeah. cool though, right? Mm-hmm. It was good. Yeah. It was a good course. Definitely. I went up on me. I ain't played that one. It's a nice course, JR. You like it? Are you? It's like yeah. an old Indian reservation. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm Indian sorry. So, so the, the, the city of Las Vegas, the, there was a drought or something. So there's no water anywhere. So all the courses are done. Shadow, nothing. You couldn't play anything. And so they were the only ones because they're on an Indian reservation. They could use unlimited amount of water to water the grass. Yeah. And that's what it was. But the, the wind was so damn bad. But then imagine like playing with two tour pros, one dude corn fairy, one dude PGA tour. And I feel bad. So I'm like, look, I have to hit the ball as fast as possible. They're like, hey, bro, why don't you just take your time? We're not in any rush. And I was like, I don't know. I just want to keep up with you guys. And he's like, man. They're like, you can't. It's, yeah. it, that's the possible chip. <laughs> you might as well just drop with them in the fairway. Nah, but we we it, it was good. It was crazy. But it was just at the turn, I was like, "Hey man, I'm get a hot dog." He's like, "What?" It's like, "Nah, bro, let's just go to the tenth hall." I was like, "All right, cool, let's go." No hot dog. <laughs> yeah, they were, they, were, they, were, they were just like they were like, "Let's go," and they were keeping score no, weird. It was, was a trip. Like when I saw the score, it was like zero one. Minus one, minus, you know what I'm saying? Like it was just different. It wasn't like seven, two, three, four, five. It was, I was like, what the hell? I've never seen a score like that before. I've he never said seven, two, three, four, five. It's, like, it's a good start. I'm just making numbers up. No, but it's triple birdie, three, four, five. It's not bad. That it's birdie, a good birdie bounce there, back. Yeah. Let's see, coming back to back part not three. Ben, they put a one is a bogey. A, a line that's how I keep score I just par. a line is a par one is a bogey minus yeah it was like one. a weird thing it was like yeah it was like it a was... birdie so then at the end you just count like one two three three plus 36 39 yeah and it was a trip because it was like you know my boy Sang Moon Bay he's you know he's triple, he, he uh he won a couple events and played the Ryder Cup whatever and so I was like hey man why do you wear your, like he was wearing his shirt, you know what I mean? Like with the sponsors and everything on it. I'm like, but we're just playing a regular round. He goes, I have to. And I was like, we're just playing a casual round. Yeah, sir. He's like, I have to. And I was like, all right. <laughs> I thought that was a trip, man. What about um, the guy on the, on the PGA Tour? Who are some of your favorite players for um, the future of golf or whatever? Like who do you, who are you a fan of on the PGA? I've recently become a fan of Scotty, Scotty Scheffler. Mm-hmm. I like a lot of, I feel like right when he won the Masters, I started watching some videos of him because he started popping off and like nobody really knew who he was. And a lot of the stuff that I was talking about earlier, like staying in the moment, staying present, he does a lot of that, focuses on a lot of that. And so I was like, that's pretty cool that he's like really open to talk about it. Um, 
He's super into God too, right? So I yeah. think he, he they, I, I saw someone said he has an advantage because he such, has such high, like so much faith that it's like, if he misses the green, it's like, well, God wanted me to miss the green and I'm going to chip <laughs> it in. You know what I mean? It's like, you just, you can't get down. If God ever hit it in the bunker, it's like, I was meant to be in the bunker. Now right. I'm going to make it. Yeah. I mean, what do you think about people making fun of his footwork? You know what I mean? Like that was real. He has some crazy footwork going on. I'm yeah. actually super surprised he can time that all the time. Right. But it you works. know, whatever works for it you. It works. Sure. Whatever works it for you. Works. That's the other thing. Everybody needs to get away from the technical, you know, just. Right. Swing your swing. Feel. Everybody swings something different. Yeah. You just got to be good at the bottom. <laughs> yeah, you just got to be consistent yeah. and hit it. It doesn't matter. There's so many different ways to to hit the ball. What about you play when you when you warm up if you're hitting like a like a little draw sometimes or you're hitting a little fade sometimes, do you just play it that day or do you try to like always play a fade? No, I'll play it. Just I think being it, able right? to just like adjust and adjust quickly and, and be able, like, you're not going to hit the ball the same every day. That's something you have to accept. You know, you come to the golf course and you got a little something going on. Got to adjust, you know, yeah. be able to just play with what you've got. I never understood. I saw a video yesterday with Dustin Johnson and an announcer or with our commentator was like, hey man, how, or his coach, he was like, how many times do you hit a draw around? He goes, never. Never. I was like, God damn. <laughs> he does not. He does not, though. Yeah, that's crazy. Like, yeah. I would think that, you know, he have to sometimes, but damn. Not if you're that good. He will if he has to, like, <laughs> hook it around a corner on a certain hole or right. something. Like, he can, he can, but yeah, he doesn't, he doesn't, want, he doesn't want to unless yeah. the course forces him to. Right. Yeah, I'm the exact same way. I hit a, I hit a fade. Mm -hmm. I won't hit a draw unless I have to hit a draw. So, what, what do you do to hit a draw? Like if you if you're on the dog leg left and you have to hit a draw, what is your? You're not changing much, right? Yeah, not much. It's very small. Maybe I'll close my feet a tiny bit and I'll just take it like a tiny bit more inside. Maybe release a little bit. Yeah, let it go a little yeah. bit. Just put a little, let go put and a little flip. click on it. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Do you think like for for somebody like who like I naturally hit a draw, but I want to hit a fade like consistent. Like, do you think it's like? just play the draw or it's like, okay, just continuously work on hitting that fade and then, you know. You got to commit to one or the other. Right. So if you want to hit the fade, you know, it might take six months to get you really hitting the fade consistently. But that, that's just time on the range. Really. You hit a natural draw? Natural draw. Since Three, four-year draw. Three, four-yard draw. I would love every that. Time. I hit a fade. You know the best way to learn how to cut the ball the best way i've figured out to learn how to cut it is okay so let's say you go on a hole jr and you just set up and aim directly in the left woods right so like aim it directly left in the woods set up everything's perfect and then just look down the fairway and swing and the ball will fade your brain will do it for you it's not gonna let you snap hook it into the trees when you're already aimed in the trees and then you just look 40 yards right, your body will just do it for you. For you, your brain will tell your body how to do it where you don't have to change that fucking much. Like you have a slice in you, you have a cut in you and it's just a matter of like committing to your brain that you're going to slice the ball and slice it. Like when I need to slice the ball, I don't really think of much different. I open up my stance more and then... 
I just visualize it and then somehow my body does what my brain told it to do or something. Same difference if I have to hook it around the trees. It's like, I don't really practice swing it first or anything. Like if I'm in the woods and I got to hit like a low hook to get out of the woods, just put it in the back of my stance, visualize it. And then it just, my brain tells my body how to do it or some shit. It's the same difference. If you naturally draw the ball and you want to fade it, it's like just tell your brain to tell your body to fade it and you'll fade it. You don't have to change too much. I think the hardest part for me is like committing to it. Like and not feeling having that just fear of snapping it or just completely blocking it forty feet. Like if I want to hit like a, a a natural three four yard cut, like me just committing to that and or not or even over committing and really trying to press and do that. You know what I'm saying? Like I've, I've been I spend a lot of time on the range, and it's just I, I'll get to the to the course, and it's like ah. Uh, <laughs> Instead of the just that smooth swing, you know? Yeah. Shit. Um, I'm a big fan of manifesting things. I've done that all my entire life. I'm on my fourth career. You know, I've had been blessed to have three successful careers, right? So I want you to manifest that good energy, right? Like, where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you want to be? On the LPGA Tour. Winning events. There it is. Manifestation. We're bringing that energy right <laughs> now. Majors. Need there that. we go. Need no that. big deal. No Evian, you know, you should visualize in Evian, France, they have the championship there, right? It's like the biggest cash prize for the LPGA Tour, something we go every year to Evian. And so Rolex and Evian hosts you in like Evian, France on the Geneva Sound, which is just like the most coolest experience ever. And they have uh, the Royal Hotel only the champions can stay at the Royal Hotel. And once you've won, you can stay there every year, like the rest of your life for it. So like like Nellie and her sister are sharing a room around the corner in the little like motel. They're fucked. <laughs> oh, you know? And then everybody, like we stay in the Royal. But like at breakfast in the morning, it's like, you know, like 20 ex-champions who've won the Evian. Nice. So I hope to be eating breakfast in that uh, place go. with you in a few Absolutely. years. Has Anna kind of worn it? I don't know. A lot. Of, I mean, I were, would. I would say yes, just because how many events she's won. I mean, she's won everything. <laughs> I don't think she goes anymore. So like Lydia Ko and like all of the like the ones that you would imagine, the top chicks are all in there. Um, right, Danielle in there or no? No. Lydia's in there, though? Yeah. Your girl, Lydia. Korean. Have you been to Korea and played? Mm-mm. You have a go- have, do you, do, does the Epson ever do anything over there? Is there any crossover with, like, the KLPGA? No. How does it work? Can you go play on the Korean LPGA? Yeah, I think it's similar. They have like a Q school similar to, you know, how I was, you know, talking about the LPGA. Similar thing. You just try and go qualify and get status out there. Same as European. Mm-hmm. They have one too. They all do, have one. Do, yeah. do girls go do that? Yeah. And that's like a good like incubator where you can like get better and get more like competitive rounds under you and then come back. Yeah. It's similar to like Epson mm-hmm. kind of feeds into Got some it. of the LPGA. So it's either like European or the one in Korea or... Epson, Epson, yeah. Just a different option. Mm-hmm. 
yep, those are the those are the platforms. What type of role model would you like to be for like younger golfers and a younger generation? Um, I want you know to set an example that shows that you can just be whoever you want to be, dress however you want to dress, um, and just you know set an example that it's really cool to be confident in your own skin. Yeah. Um, I really hope that for a lot of future generation golfers, because um, I feel like there's a little bit of you know. Like that, like I was talking about that country club thing where you, there's a little hate or judgment that people kind of have at the golf course where yeah. it's like, it should be more inclusive. I want everyone to feel welcome at the golf course, not scared to talk to each other and stuff right. like that. So just, you know, have fun, make it fun. Like that. Like that. Well, thank you for coming. Thank you for having yeah, me. Yeah, Gigi, I really appreciate it. And uh, we going to Saddle Creek or what was good? You know it. Yeah, I like that. Me and Gigi will play you too. See, even. Same tees? No chance. No, we'll play the back tees. Y'all can go up one. We'll still play even. (laughs) That's only making it harder for me. Let's do it. I love it. Okay. All right, well, live from Las Vegas with Gigi Stoll, Ben Baller, J.R. Smith. From the Wynn Resort. Yes, sir. We'll see you when we see you. Peace, y'all.